You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Sidney Johnson, Bob Usler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. And we welcome you back to Open Court with Sidney Johnson, Joe DeSantis, and I'm Bob Usler. Glad to have you along for another episode as we talk about Stags basketball with just six games left in the regular season. So we'll be talking with Coach Johnson about what the Stags need to do to end this regular season. On a strong note, one game left at Webster Bank Arena. That's coming up on Saturday against Monmouth. So we'll get into a preview of the Stags and the Hawks. And we're going to welcome in one of the Fairfield Stags. Our special guest this week is the point guard out of Lithuania, Idis Kabalowskis. And Idis, we're going to start with you because you have a time uh, issue here. We've got to get you off to a class. And... Um, Along those lines, you're on your way to a Fairfield class. Talk to us first about your Fairfield experience, non-basketball. How has it been here for you academically as a student and also culturally as somebody from another country getting used to life here in the U.S., specifically here at Fairfield University? Yeah. Um, well, I think the, the beginning was was pretty tough. Um, I was kind of like I came mid-year. uh January, so I was kind of like thrown into that. Uh, you know, started taking classes. Got to speak another language. You know, all of a sudden, and and all that. So so it was pretty tough in the beginning. But I think I kind of got going, and then I made some friends and stuff. Because when I came, actually, it was I think it was a winter break, and there was like you know everybody's walking, looking down, no one's want to talk to you and stuff, and it was kind of like tough. But um, but then I kind of made made some friends and that helped me to go through that and um uh, in the classroom I don't think I like had problems with that so maybe the language part was pretty hard in the beginning but I just got going and so you made a point there about how there was that little bit of a, a barrier and a shield between you and other people on the campus because as you very eloquently put it heads down it's cold it's the yeah. middle of winter is that different from what you're used to back in Lithuania? Is there maybe a little bit more openness in your native country? No, it's actually it's actually the same in the Lithuania. Same. Yeah, <laughs> like everybody's kind of, and uh, but the thing is that we are used to the weather like that. Like I don't know, the like, people are just um, used to the really cold weather, so you don't really see people like walking down and stuff. And um, I don't know. Well, it's not that you just go around and just like start talking to everybody, you know? But right. But it's it's nice to like have at least a eye contact and with people, you know. You're on your way to class. What are uh, you majoring here at Fairfield? What uh, are your favorite courses of study, and what is your uh, major? Uh, my major is uh, business management. Um, my favorite course is like, I don't know, hard to tell. Like I took so many good courses that that it's it's really hard to uh, to take one. And it's yeah, I don't know. Well, you're from Lithuania. And uh, before we began recording, Joe DeSantis, who is a great basketball player here and uh, also is a big baseball fan, he was talking about how you know, baseball season is approaching quickly. Oh, yeah. That's the United States national pastime. In Lithuania, it's basketball, basketball, and basketball, yeah. isn't it? What, what was your introduction to basketball in Lithuania? Uh, well, basketball is like a religion in Lithuania. That's... Uh, that's just the way it is, and since since you're a kid, you always like see the games, and everybody's talking. That's the only sport that people care about most most of the time. Um, 
So, I don't know, I think I was like two years old and, you know, my parents gave me a little ball to to bounce around and stuff and uh, had like little rim on, on the door and uh, that's the thing, that's when I started playing, you know, I was a kid and then I started, I think, going to practices when I was uh, six or seven years old and just kept going since then. What is your parents' background in basketball? <laughs> I actually have no background in any like sports in my family. Like everybody's more like musicians and stuff and then and then there's me. I can't even listen to myself singing in the shower, <laughs> you know. So um yeah, it's it, there's no background. I don't know where where I came from. Well, <laughs> well your country produced uh probably the two first great European players in the NBA. That would be uh, Arvidas Sabonis and uh, Sarunas Marshallonis. Uh what when did you become aware of them, and have you ever gotten to know them or of them? What was your um, awareness of them, and what do they mean in your country in terms of kind of setting uh, you on a basketball course? Yeah, um, for myself, like I, um, when I was a kid, I, I didn't see them playing too much, I think. But then, like as I, I was growing, and uh, my father showed me like there was like some some archives like games that they showed from before so so we used to watch that with my father a little and uh and it was just like they just uh they're kind of like a president of the lithuania they're like so like they mean so much for our country because especially they they played at the times when uh when it went from soviet union to being independent and uh that was kind of a way to to make our name in the world and that was actually what happened in the 1992 when uh we won the third place in the o olympics i think um in barcelona so so that was like a big thing for 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 lithuania and they mean so much and uh personally i uh i went to sabonis uh basketball academy so i got to see him there like since i was a kid you know tall dude and just like mm. a dream for everybody to be like him and um uh, and Marcellonis, I uh, we played against his team in uh, from the capital city, so it was like a, a rival for us. Mm -hmm. um, and I met him personally in uh, one of the camps I went to, Basketball Without Borders, in Moscow. So we got to talk a little with him, but he's kind of like closed guy. Yeah. What about his uh, son, who is having a great career now in the NBA, Demontis? Oh, Sabonis. Yeah, you know him? Uh, yeah, I played with him actually. Uh, it was. Um, under 18, I think we we were in the uh, tryouts and for the national team, and um, yeah, we we actually roomed next to each other, so so I got to talk to him a lot, and he's he's a great guy. He's really down to earth, you know, like uh, and no one would think about him that way, but um, but he's really he's really great. Um, he wants to talk to everybody and stuff. So so now you have uh, the basketball background in Lithuania, and now you get a little bit more of a worldly view of what you can do in terms of uh, using this game to um, not only advance yourself as a person but professionally and academically at what point did it occur to you okay i can get beyond lithuania to the united states and then became aware of the college game and being able to put yourself in a position to play here at a Division One level, what was the timeline there? What was the process that led you from becoming a you know a good basketball player in your home country to where we sit right now? Yeah. Um. So, 
after that, actually, those tryouts and for the national team, I got cut the last, I think, and and I was pretty disappointed with that. No, it was actually under 17, my bad. Yeah, so I was pretty disappointed and uh, chose to go to uh, Atlanta to uh, high school. And I think that's when it was actually like before that, I, I had no idea what high school basketball was, no idea what college was. I just wanted to change it. I was just really disappointed about that. Um, so I think at like the age of 17, I started like to kind of like learn about the college and stuff. But uh, I went to Atlanta, played half a year there, went back and I was like, I'm never going back to America. Why? Um, just like t- culture shock. It was, it was, it was, I was, you know, 16 years old, living far away from your mom, um, having all the responsibilities, doing, you know, like learning the language, playing, you know, in, uh, in a team, not knowing the language, and it was, uh, it was pretty tough, so, so I left then, and then I was like, I just, I just hated, um, but then I was, um, I think my senior year, and, uh, in um in high school then i then i started to realize well i was back in lithuania so then i realized i was like i need to get a good education and i was like i either go professionally in lithuania or i go you know with my academics because it's there's no such thing that you you can do both at the same time in a high level so i was like well america is the only place that do that so so then i was like i need to i need to find a place to go there it's a really really interesting thing that um you know, in, in Europe where you have these really good players and, and they're, they call them juniors, you know, and they're they're often playing, practicing with the senior team. The high-level guys are not making money. They're just practicing and, and kind of um, earning a lot of experience. And then they have to make a choice, as, as Ida said. They have to either go one of two routes. The universities don't sponsor intercollegiate athletics. So you're either going into uh, – you know, trying to pursue a career, being a, a doctor, lawyer, teacher, or what have you, or um, you pursue professional basketball and you sign, uh, you know, more of like a senior contract with these teams, and then you're, that's your salary, and you, and you just kind of work your way up, and, and maybe you go to different countries or you stay in your native country, but, but you're a pro, and there's no ability, like Ida said, to pursue anything academically until maybe you're done playing, and now you're, you know, maybe 35, mm-hmm. 38 years old, starting your undergraduate, um, you know, uh, career there or opportunity. So um, this uniquely American thing that we have going on is why you have, you know, eight, nine guys of international experience here at Fairfield. You have 10 international players at St. Mary's. You know, you, you, you just um, out there in California, you have an, just an influx of, of international guys who are really looking at the great opportunity that the NCAA offers. So Idis does come back to the United States at Spire Academy, I believe it is, in Ohio. Yep. And then things started to come together for you at that point. How so? Wh- uh, what was the difference between the experience in Atlanta? You go back to Lithuania, go through the decision process that Coach just described it, and you described that you had to enc- you know, encounter, you make your choice. Now you become a player of Division One potential. How did that happen? What did uh, what was the improvement? What was the big leap forward when you came back to the U.S. the second time at the academy in Ohio? Well, at that time when when I came back, uh, there was like two things that made a big difference. That first it was like I knew the language, mm-hmm. 
-hmm. So it was like easy to um, talk to people and kind of get my way. Um, and then the second thing is that when I went to Spire Academy, I was already committed to come to uh, Fairfield University. So I kind of had no pressure and I was like, okay, like I'm going there, like I'm just going to play my game here and stuff. So it was kind of like a transition year for me and it was it was great to, to, um, to play against guys that like are really physical and stuff. And, and, um, and uh, yeah, the, uh, another thing is that um, we lived in the hotel at Spire Academy. So uh, the difference between Atlanta and, and Spire was that in Atlanta we lived in the family. And uh, the family that we lived with was... Uh, it was like they, they made to do a, like they made us do like a lot of chores and and stuff and you know like I I remember there was like Sunday and you know Sundays I usually call my mom um, and the woman was like oh like you you have to uh, go clean our windows or something <laughs> you know and I'm like well I'm trying to call my mom I'll do it later she's like nope you got to do it now mm. so those kind of things you know it was pretty tough. Um, do you ever see Oliver Twist? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, you live on campus? I do, yeah. With who? With Matia. With, uh, Matia? Matia. Matia. That's that's the right that's way to say it? That's Matia? the way, yeah. Wow. Oh, that. We learned something. We say Matia, but yeah, but, uh, yeah it is Matia. Yeah. And Coach, do you allow them to live off campus? No, no. Um, you know, John is actually uh, in a university house right across the street, but um, and that's just – one mm -hmm. one year of that but um no I, I i just think it's uh it's just a lot easier to kind of keep an eye on the guys and make sure um you know they can also get to practice and class and all that so so 100 percent of our guys are um are, are on campus so this woman that wouldn't let you call your mother do you still keep in touch with her <laughs> <laughs> no not really coach <laughs> how did the itis get on your radar he mentioned how he goes to spire there's not the pressure now because he's already on his way, committed to Fairfield University. What was the relationship? Uh, where did that come from as far as him coming to Fairfield? Yeah, it, it, recruiting international is not necessarily a, a, a big secret anymore, you know. And so uh, I, I think I saw a stat um, where the MAC has, like, one of the highest percentages of international kids, like, in, in their conference um, as a whole. And so whether you get an email or a tip or a form – former relationships that you had um tom parada uh was aware of uh, a couple of showcases that were actually held um in europe and so he attended one and um he had he had itis as well as an, a number of kids to kind of on his radar hey check these kids out you know if, if you're going to go attend and he did and uh itis was everything that we were looking for you know incredibly heady kid extremely vocal it's interesting to hear that he um you know that and it's not a shock but that english was coming along to him because uh parada said one of the biggest thing is he was coaching the kids at this showcase and you know this essentially like an all-star setting but he was he said so he took control of the team and was pointing them the right direction and putting guys in really good spots and and doing that all in English, <laughs> you know, and who knows? I just could tell me better if, if any of the guys understood him, but <laughs> he, he, he definitely was moving him around a bit. And so uh, had some Skype calls and, and really connected, um, really understood what Idis was looking for. The education piece was huge. 
um, how he wanted to play the game and, and serve his teammates and, and then ultimately go back home with a degree in hand and opportunity to be a pro. The, all those things synced. Um, and, and to go somewhere where, you know, he might not be, you know, overly intimidated, you know. Um, it's, a, it's a beautiful campus, a safe one. It's not overwhelming. You know, it's not uh, Big Ten, 50,000 students. Mm-hmm. You know, that might have been uh, a culture shock uh, times two. So all those things kind of hit, and, uh, you know, it was really pretty smooth. And like you said, he was able to prep for a year and then be on his way to uh, Fairfield. And now uh, at Fairfield, Itis, your game is uh, fans watch you play, and they think of you as a, as a real court general. You're a pure point guard, um, probably pass-first mentality. Most definitely. <laughs> With that as a given, what other parts of your game do you want to continue to improve here as your Fairfield career uh, progresses along? Uh, well, definitely the first thing is uh, my shot, probably, um, because I think I can make shots, but I think it has to come to my mind that I need to take them, you know. So I think that's a that's a big key for me. Um, but, like, overall, I think I can, like, you know, there's to work on that, on everything. So, so you know, my defense, um, I think ball handling could, could be better. Like, yeah. Well, overall, just, just everything, I think. You know? In a uh, few minutes, we're going we're gonna to let you go here. In fact, we have to let you get going pretty soon as you are on your way to a class. I don't want to put you on the spot. We're going to be talking to Coach Johnson about this in a second. But Fairfield Stags, you were part of it last year that got hot at the end of last season and made the great run in the MAC tournament. From a player's standpoint, somebody who is in that gym every day and practicing and working hard to make this thing uh, good and better, what would you say to a fan right now? This is why this team has the capability of, again, getting hot here at the end of the regular season and making that same kind of a run in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I think I would say that we played so many uh, close games, and I think we're kind of a young team. And I think since we played so many so many close games, I think we, we learned from those games. And I think now now we, we actually know how to play the ends of the games and how we actually can can stick together and, and um and I think that's that's the big the biggest part for us that, that we can, you know, um beat every every team in the Mac. Joe, um you were telling us earlier you want to take Idas to a, a ball game before his uh, Yeah, I career. had promised Mattia Millen I would take him to a Yankee game, but he already Idas told me that he's already gone. <laughs> so the I where's first base? <laughs> Where's first base? Yeah. Where is it? Yeah, it's the it's kind of like on on the right from the from the batter, right? And what is it called where the players sit in between innings or during the game? What's that? What is it called? What is it called where the players sit during the game while the game's going on? Well, well, this, this is education. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, it's called a dugout. McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. McDonald's or Wendy's? McDonald's. Have you ever been to Duchess? Yeah. Duchess. I, I like Duchess. Good. I like Duchess. Good move. How about the city? Yeah. You get down to New York a lot. I mean, here you are uh, within the shadow of the the shadow of the greatest city in the world, at least in our opinion. Have yeah, get, for sure. Got a lot of time <laughs> down in New York. Um, more like after the season, I would say, or like during the summer, because uh, I stay here during the summers. So, so I go there after that during the, during the season. I don't really have time for that. 
Well, unfortunately, uh, we are out of time with you. Um, as always, we always just managed to scratch the surface here. Yeah. I had at least an, another half dozen things I would have liked to have gotten mm, into. Maybe but I should just skip the class. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. You, you are, you He's are, on the dean's list for a reason. Yeah, and so I, uh, as I, much I, as he <laughs> says that, he, he knows what has to get done, and, and he definitely does it. I heard you say uh, my bad before, so you're definitely picking up all the American bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go to class. Well, right. one th it's funny you say that, and I'll let him go. But uh, in, it, uh, it's funny, and I just doesn't even know it's coming. But against Siena, uh, we had like a, a halfway decent play. It might have gotten deflected, and uh, the ball went out of bounds. But it's going to be ours. And as we're coming into that timeout, Itis goes to one of his teammates. He's like, "Good luck, boy." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "This Lithuanian kid is, is talking a lingo." So <laughs> he's uh, he's he's caught up. He's caught up in a lot of things. Glad to have him here. You've come a long way, and we're all glad to have you here. We're glad to have you here this afternoon with us. Uh, enjoy spending some time. We'll do it again for sure. All right. Thanks for having me. That's Iris right. Kavalowskis. He's on his way to a class. Go straight to class. See you, Iris. So we're going to pick it up from here with Coach Johnson, and uh, you had told us uh, before we requested Itis that uh, he's a, a really great kid to, to speak too and uh, his love of basketball really shines through we weren't even able to get into it as much on the podcast but when Joe and I talked to him you know just in passing yeah. at games or at a practice uh, you can talk basketball with him at any any time he's got that real he's got that point guard mentality too he sees the game he absorbs the game and what you see on the court, it's kind of a manifestation of all that, isn't it? Yeah, I, I you know, I wanted to let him talk because he, you know, he, he does have to go to class. Um, so I didn't want to interfere uh, or interrupt him. But as he was talking, I was thinking about my dad uh, and his upbringing. Uh, my dad moved to Indiana very early on in his age, and he's, he's basically an Indiana boy or Indiana man. And so uh, I know that Joe is a big fan of the Big O, Oscar Robinson, and John Wooden. Um, these were huge, um, huge figures in, in my dad's life and, and everyone who grows up in Indiana. And that there's kind of this lore of the game that exists in Indiana, I, I think, unlike any other state in, in the country. And I feel like in Lithuania, it's, it's kind of the same thing. You learn the game. You admire the coaches and figures and players of the game. Um, at a very early age, you're steeped in how to play it, how to practice, how to go about your business. So he's so wired with that in terms of um, shot selection, decision-making, practice habits, um, the whole deal, good shot, bad shot. And it's something that's in him in a way that maybe some other guys, even American kids, depending on their situation, uh, are playing catch-up with. And that's what's uh, amazing about him. Well, the one thing I didn't get a ch we didn't get a chance to ask him about the thing I think he does the best is he gets charges. I, He's got to lead your team in charges. We talk about that on the broadcast. He shows me a ton tremendous amount of toughness to be able to get the charge. And really the only way you should do that is if you know how to do it. Mm -hmm. If you know how to do it, you won't get I couldn't guard Ivy one on one. <laughs> But I was tough enough and smart enough to get charges on weak side drives. Yeah, you're, you're spot on, Joe. So he definitely has to improve his, his shooting. And he, he, So this is how smart he is. He can make shots and he puts the time in, 
but it's going taking that and putting it into the game. So thinking that way, you know, it's it's not necessarily. I'm not going to say he's a Tyler Nelson shooter, um, but he has a nice shot. It's thinking that way and not always being pass first. So that's one. But two, um, he's he's smart enough to understand that he's just got to be thinking that way. Two, to your point, Joe, he is much improved defensively, much improved. And he's smart enough to uh, study the scouting report, play the angles. Um, he's quicker and stronger than you think, but he's not the quickest and strongest among the teams that we're facing in our league. So for him to be able to lead us in charges, which he does, and we track those, he leads us in charges, is all about positioning, basketball IQ, and the, and the, he, he's come up with some huge plays. I mean, I'm thinking of Marist. You know, we're, we're you know we lost one, we won one, we lost one. The the, the Marist game, a huge reset for us. Um, defensively, so much better. Uh, offensively, didn't score a lot, but uh, shared the ball a ton. And there's a play where we missed a shot. They're coming down in transition. And Idis drew a huge charge in transition that allowed us to get the ball back and come down and score and maintain the, the momentum that we had going in the second half. So he's, he's, uh, he's cerebral, and it, it certainly shows up in games. You spent a lot of time there talking about him as a very improved defensive player. And after the game at Siena the other night, you talked about how you liked the way your team defended in the second half, and that's something you can build on. Let's transition now to the other side of the ball because there was that turns out to be a fatal stretch of eight minutes where you, you didn't score. How much of that is on Fairfield? How much of it is giving credit to Siena for what they did to take you out of your stuff? How do you how do you counteract that the next time you're in that kind of a situation? You know, the guys who embrace the coaching fraternity will take the stance that I have and will be genuine about it, which is to credit our opponents. Say, listen, Siena played very well defensively. Um, Siena has 12 straight games now where they've held teams under 70 points um, for the game. So I, I can't sit here and take uh, uh, things away from Siena when they had a very good effort. Um, I will tell you that we had a pretty extensive film session, not only talking to our guys after the game, but a pretty extensive film session with the guys about Siena and that stretch in particular. And there are things there that um, just in terms of just simple timing and execution um, where we are, you know, we do, we have some games on our belt where we're playing better, but we're not playing flawless. And there are just simple execution and timing of screens and things like that when you're playing a very good defensive team that wasn't there. And so I think that we failed ourselves on some key possessions down the stretch. To that point, um, you know, it was 47-47 with, I'm going to say, roughly 10, 11 minutes to go. So we were on track to kind of, you know, kind of keep things going. And then we hit, uh, uh, obviously, a, a, a big lull there. Um, so, again, the, the film, it, you know, just constantly, you know, on them about execution, timing, screening, uh, those things uh, have to set in at a time where it was a very winnable game and we had fought and clawed our way back into tying the game, but we were obviously not able to get over the hump. Another glaring thing about that Siena game, just to use that as the, as the most recent example, not getting to the foul line in that game. It's yep. an easy thing to look at when you see the game and then look at the box score and you see only one free throw taken. 
Um, what is the corrective measure? How much better can this Fairfield team be at maybe forcing a little bit more action and getting to the line more often? We, we can. I think there's there's a couple areas. I mean, f first, you have to be wired to, you know, drive to the basket and look to seek contact and not avoid it. And that takes coaching and breaking bad habits. You know, Joe, a few weeks ago mentioned uh, uh, on our podcast about the Eurostep. And that's something that Neftali is, uh, you know, adept at, but also kind of takes him out of, um, you know, position of getting fouled and getting to the line as he is a, a really good um, finisher at the rim. He's shooting 49% uh, at the rim in, in, uh, from two-pointers in his last 10 games. But, but then it avoids contact. And so if you don't make that layup or somebody comes out of nowhere at the last second, now that's a, that's a you know, could be a missed shot instead of free throw opportunities. I also think our, our forwards obviously can have a, a, a bigger presence and be able to draw some contact as well. Um, and then I think the third piece is the execution. So if there are plays, and, and we do have them, um, trust me, we do have them where we're trying to balance it and play inside out and we're rolling it in. Um, again, the timing of those post-ups, the pre presenting yourself, if someone uh, fronts you, holding them there and sealing them and putting up a big target for that ball to go over the top uh, instead of fighting too much. Um, use that defender to your advantage and seal. So there's a lot of different basketball IQ things that were, um, I don't know if it's IQ, it's just basketball coaching. Um, but I, I think that those three things um, have, have had us come up short, to be frank. Um, and, and probably Sienna, the irony of that is that um, – we're probably shooting more free throws than Siena, not too many other teams. And yet the Siena game, we shoot one and they yeah. shoot, you know, uh, 12, 14, uh, you know, whatever it was. So um, those three things are, have shown up. And, and again, you know, you, you know, somebody's looming over the program. We were able to see Tyler at that, that game the other day. But there's a guard who was really adept at getting to the line. And that's something that we're really encouraging uh, Neftali to think about. Um, Taj has is, is been playing more, and I think that he's going to draw some contact he has uh, in, in, in the minutes that he's played the last couple of games. Well, you know, you've had three games since that uh, last podcast, and obviously we don't have a lot of time. So you go to Manhattan, and they really play well. And it's funny, I'm sure, you know, it was a tough loss for you, and people were critical, but the bottom line is Manhattan has now gone on to win three straight games. Yeah. And they beat Ryder was it last night? Yeah, last night. They beat, uh, so uh, the number one it's funny the how league. the things work out, you know, and you do have to take one game at a time, but over the course of the season, you are who you are. That Manhattan team is turning out to be a pretty good team, especially at home. Now, a critical game, in my estimation, was the Maris game. I think it was huge. Yeah. I think so, it was huge. Um, I didn't broadcast the game. I had another assignment, as Bob would say. I had another assignment, like a secret detective. <laughs> but um, you, you, you played great defense. You came up big. Um they were four for 18 from three. Uh, they had 15 turnovers. They only went to the line 11 times. Neftali made a big play. Landon made a big three. And Cruz made some big free throws. So I thought that was huge. Uh, I know, again, Bob, I know we don't have enough time, but you want to comment on that Maris game? I, I, Joe, I want to comment on both. I, um, I want to credit, again, you know, I'm a coach. I want to credit Steve and, and, and the game plan and how they're playing over in Manhattan. No, you know, no love lost. We, you know, we want to go at them. Uh, but they, they outplayed us, and, and we did not feel good, players, coaches, about that game at all. 
a lot of the stuff that we prepared, not everything, but a lot that we prepared to do, we did not execute. And we were, we were very disappointed in ourselves. I can't stress that enough. It was, it was very low. And we were able, we came in, we watched film, we talked straight, yelling and screaming, but it was just like, listen, this is not how we go about it. The reset of the guys I thought was fantastic, and the staff, because it's not about just driving your guys into the ground, but being straight with them, but getting them up to where they need to get to and make sure that the execution happens on the court. And I, th- I thought the guys were fantastic from an emotional standpoint, mentally locked in, offensively, defensively. We talked about trying to limit Maris threes, and, and we did an effective job at that. Um, you, you know, you're always going to have a nice couple good breaks that go your way. Um, as well so it's, it's not all coaching but I th- I just thought that they were really really good in terms of the reset and then you get five points down the stretch from from a kid who was uh, not on our team last year and Landon and you get a huge layup uh, from the smallest guy on the court from Neftali um, another big play for him so I, I was really pleased and uh, and then Sienna we were disappointed with the result we fought and scrapped and got to 47 47 with some things that didn't go our way. And then uh, we hit a fatal stretch, as, as you mentioned, Bob. Um, but even then, we gave up eight threes in the first half. Yep. And we talked about that so much. And, and at halftime, we're like, God, come on, man. We come out and we hold them to one. Yep. Yeah, and as we scored zero field goals in that eight-minute stretch, which is not something to brag about, they scored three. Mm-hmm. One of them was a fadeaway for Fisher, who I think is having a really good season. God bless him. And another one was a a mid-air adjustment from Pickett, another kid who's having a great year. Um, mid-year uh, adjustment for a three. Yeah. yeah. Both of those were buzzer beaters. Those were two of their three field goals yeah. in that stretch. So there was a lot of defense going on, and, and and unfortunately for the Stags, not a lot of good offense. You know, it's funny. I made a comment on that uh, Pickett three. The shot clock was running down. It was five seconds. He had it on the wing. A ball screen came. I'm not going to name the player, but the player was guarding the, the screener. He's got to realize by the time he comes off the ball screen, it's like two seconds. You got to trap it. Right. You just got to say this is not about coaching. This is about common sense because make him give up the ball. It's not going to have enough time. Um, okay, I, I'm going to get a little critical. I think um, you want. I think you're better when you run and shoot. Mm-hmm. Are you addressing the fact that maybe you struggled against half court teams? And do you do you sit with your staff and say, you know what? I think we got to get a little tougher when it gets to be a half-court game. I think Manhattan has showed they've won. I'm not telling you to change your personality, but my point is, has that been addressed? I think what you're you're kind of fleshing out more of what my coach speak is. I mean, I'm just talking half-court execution. Okay. So, I mean, we're we're talking the same language. We we spent a lot. So you of, still want to run? Without it, I mean, first and foremost, we're trying to go. Go. I mean, we're, yep. we're we're first and foremost, we're going. We're going. We say we out. We out. We out. Let's right. go. Let's go. Um, and then if we don't have an early easy shot, we still want to continue to get the ball moving. Um, but we also got to, uh, you know, respect our opponents or, or credit them and say, hey, they know what we're trying to do and they're trying to take it away. And so now it's just, you know, how much can we dictate how we want to play? And then that's one. So try to continue to get transition baskets. And then two, um, when we are in the half court, we got to get something out of it. You know, we can't just say, okay, well, we just want to run you out right. of the gym. Um you know, that, that's – and especially the later you get into the season where the scouting reports, the more and more tape people have of you, the more they're going to take away first 
second, and third option. You got to have fourth or you come up short. Well, it's funny. You would love to see your team get an up and down game against like Iona or Quinnipiac or Canisius, but you'd probably get more satisfaction to beat a team at their own game right now. Because that's a step that you have to take. And you did it against Maris. That's very well said, Joe. Yeah. And that's that's part of the, uh, you know, people don't want to talk about learning and all, but that's what it is. That's part of the, you know, you, you, you're not, um, I think you, one, you got to, but you, you have to be mindful of what you're best at. Mm -hmm. So we do want to run. Right. Okay. We do want to get out and go. We do want to share it. We rely on the three so much. Uh, side note, we're not shooting the three very well right. the last three games. It's a huge part of what our our offense. So, and uh, credit our, 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 you know, the teams that we're playing, but also, you know, we got to get more shots up and, and make sure we have our legs. Uh, three games in five days doesn't always help with that, blah, 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 blah. If we shoot it better um, and we get out and transition more, that's what we do well, so we want to do that. But also to be a good team and to make a championship run, which we did last year, you also have to win in some, at some times and win stretches of the game that's not your calling card but is the opponent's. And when you do that, you find yourself uh, you know, in the last game of the year. Um, and, and, and right now, um, we're still figuring that out, to be frank. Well, you um, have a chance again to uh, reset, which is a word that's come up a few times during this podcast, when you play uh, your next opponent. I know you were probably as disappointed as you've been all season long following the game down at Monmouth. I know you did not get the kind of performance from your team uh, that you expected, and certainly you, you expect a different result uh, and effort and performance on Saturday against them. What are the specific things you are looking for from your team in order to reverse course against the Hawks? Don't want to shy away from too much of what we literally just talked about. I, 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 we definitely want to make sure that we're we're playing fast, that we're playing well defensively. Um, that failed us against Manhattan. Really good against Marist. Really good against Siena. Um, so we need to defend, defend, defend very, very well against Monmouth. Uh, we certainly want to get out in transition and share the basketball. And in the half court, we absolutely have to execute better. Um, and and there, there are small incremental improvements on that. Um, we caught a timeout against Marist. Down three, came out, executed, bang, got the shot we wanted. Um, and it's something we've done a number of times in our gym. That failed us against Siena. Got to get back to that against Monmouth, certainly in key stretches in the game in order uh, to be the team that's playing well. You've used Taj now, uh, Taj Benning, as your starter for a couple of games in a row now. Um, does it look like that's going to be at least your first five as far as uh, the next uh, game is concerned? I, I, games? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not giving away trade secrets right. with that. I think uh, Taj is um, not only has he played well and he's helped us out, but between the time where he was starting and playing 29, 30 minutes a game and and now where he's back in the starting lineup, the kid has been nothing but um, positive and open to coaching and trying to do what we, you know, uh, what we're asking, trying to outplay the competition in the gym. And he's gotten back to that um, uh, because, to be honest, um, and this is how we are with Wasif is back in the mix because he's out playing guys. And um, – you know, Taj is, is back to outplaying guys. And so um, if, if he stays like that this week, there's no reason that we would change uh, 
Uh, we like what he's brought, and he's you know a defensive presence there. He's made a couple shots. He's a big presence, um, you know, at the guard spot. So uh, that's given us some versatility. That being said, Felix has made you know almost 43s. Uh, um, actually, uh, got my updated stats on my desk. Um, he, he's not done because he makes shots. Um, and he's, he's uh, improved defensively. So he's not done for the year uh, by any stretch. But um, Taj has acquitted himself pretty well these last few games. Final thing, uh, you guys as a team went to see Tyler on Sunday on your way up to Albany to play against Siena. Um, for our fans, our listeners who are not familiar with what's going on with him and maybe other any other updates you have on former Stags like we try to do here during the podcast uh, but you can start with Tyler. That was that was a fun visit to the Westchester County Civic Center there to see his team play against the Westchester Knicks, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. I mean, he was his dad and mom were there. I, I actually wasn't um, I wasn't expecting that. Um, his, his dad and mom were there, so I got to spend uh, a lot of time uh, talking to them at halftime. Um, and you know, his, his, they they were both beaming, not only for Tyler, but but to understand that you know. Um, we, we still care about him, you know what I mean? We're still rooting for him, and, and uh, to come out and support him, I think that really uh, that really touched Tyler and his mom and dad. So it was great to catch up with him, talk to his dad at length about um, the experiences that Tyler's having, the learning process. Um, he's a pro, all that that goes into it, um, team chemistry, you know, how he's coached, all those kinds of things, and then what the future holds. Um, and, and Tyler's got a couple of things. He's He's playing well um, in the minutes that he gets. Um, he's certainly like a second-tier, second-unit guy. Um, but when they get him out there and the ball comes his way, um, he, he's shooting it well. Um, he's a low-turnover, high-assist guy. Um, and I think the challenge for him is to get stronger, um, to be able to compete with those guys. Um, Joe knows that. I mean, it just, you know, just kind of gets the cream of the crop when you start to go up to that level. Um, and then spending some time with Tyler after the game, and he had a pretty good turnout. One of his good buddies um, who graduated the same year as him was there as well. Obviously our whole team, mom and dad, um, we got a picture with him and caught up with him. Nolan, uh, Thomas Nolan, uh, those two guys were really close. So it was just uh, it was everything you could ask for, and I, I think it's just a clear signal as you have Segura, Jerome Segura, Coming by practice the other day, uh, Mo Barrow will come through before he heads over to Australia. Derek Needham comes back during the summer. Uh, I got an invitation to Marcus Gilbert's wedding, um, you know, a couple weeks ago. I mean, it's it, this is a program, you know. It's not just a team. It's it's a group of guys who have stayed really connected, and I think that's what that afternoon uh, spoke to me was just that you know we've we've stayed true to each other and tried to hold on to these relationships. Um, well after the ball stops bouncing. Marcus uh, marrying a Fairfield girl? Or? Uh, no, a young lady that he knew, his high school sweetheart. Oh, cool. A really, oh. really sweet lady. Um, and so uh, I got to push aside uh, some things uh, this summer to try to make sure I can attend that. Um, but Marcus knows he's thinking of us. Malcolm, I mentioned that you guys called me the other day as yep. you were asking about him, Bob. So I just, you know, it's uh, – it's all part of it, you know. There's wins, there's losses, and then there's everything in between. And I think what you asked me about, I think that afternoon was all the stuff in between, to be honest. Well, Coach, uh, you got hot down the stretch last season during the regular season, and we know where that led you. So uh, 
good luck as uh, you try and uh, hit that ignition button and uh, do a repeat performance here this season with the Stags. First and foremost, Mammoth, and I, you know, we have the same thing, uh, same same idea in mind. Um, but I think our, what we were at our best was just trying to take each game at a time. That that cliche is really important. And as we reset against Marist, and we attempted to reset against Siena. Um, you know, I, I think it's really important that we lock into just game by game and trying to squeeze every single ounce out of these guys that we can. And so it's it's really important these next few days and then see what Saturday afternoon holds for us. Yeah, sounds great. Good luck against Monmouth. Uh, Joe, anything else before no, we wrap just, it up? No, uh, just you, you play the ninth and, and you really have one game in ten days. Your second game, jeez, um, it's the middle of February. So uh, not a whole lot of games. It's really amazing. I, I You know, we have six games basically in five weeks so the mac um for better or worse they crammed a lot of threw a lot at us early on um and you know one step forward maybe two steps back at times i we get it but you got to future forward and try to take what you learned and i i do know that we learned how to reset i'm saying that a lot because it's it's really important you can't drag um you know what what you know had weighed you down in an eight-minute stretch, right. you got to learn from that. And the execution, the half-court execution, is really, really important for us to tighten up to be a better team as we move forward. That is Coach Sidney Johnson, and you have been listening to Open Court with Sidney Johnson, the Fairfield Hall of Famer Joe DeSantis. I'm Bob Huesler. We've talked a lot about Fairfield getting ready to play Monmouth this coming Saturday. Next week on the podcast, we will recap the Stags game against the Hawks and then get ready for the Buffalo trip. We'll preview the Buffalo trip, which of course always features the games against Canisius and at Niagara. So, as always, thanks for listening. This has been Open Court, and we'll see you again at this time next week. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. For future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.